most of the people in your friend's life are going to take the root of just butting out of it and not saying anything. Not because those people are bad people or unsupportive, but because that's just easier. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multiamory Podcast, we're talking about what to do if your friend or partner is in a bad relationship, not with you, with someone else. We're going to talk about the warning signs that your friend's relationship may be toxic, what you should say to them, and whether or not you should do anything to bail them out of it. That's an interesting thing to say, like, bail them out. Like, what does that mean exactly, Dedeker? Well, you know, (laughs) to bail means to grab a bucket and (laughs) scoop up some water that's in your sinking ship. Uh-huh. And throw it over the side. Really? So, well, yeah, you're bailing out water, and you um, learn something new from Dunker every day. Trying to save your own ass, basically. Um, but yeah, I don't know, like a bailout, like bailing someone out is like like rescuing someone, like helping well, sure. someone. Yeah. Yes. I just wondered what that looked like in um, your mind. Also, a bail is a fastening that secures a crampon to the sole of a boot. Or a bale of hay, but not, but it, <laughs> That's different. spelled differently. Yes, That's I know. spelled differently. Yes. Yeah. B-A-L-E. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Anyway, I wanted to cover this topic actually inspired by a listener who wrote mm-hmm. in, who was in this particular situation of it seemed like their friend was in a really real stinker of a relationship and was wondering what our advice might be. And I realized we don't necessarily have an episode devoted to especially this, but I feel like this is an experience that a lot of people have experience. And now, just to keep it clear, for the rest of this episode, we're going to use the example of specifically of a friend or a close friend who's in some kind of bad relationship. Um, Much of this also can apply if you are witnessing your partner, if you're non-monogamous and you're witnessing your partner going through the same thing. So bear that in mind, we will speak a little bit more specifically about special considerations for people in non-monogamous relationships a little bit later on. In the bonus episode. Right. Yeah. In the Patreon bonus episode. Yes. All right. So there are specific warning signs to look out for within your friend's relationship. Um, If you happen to see like something is happening here, I keep getting signals from my friend that they may be experiencing something that's toxic or, or just not good for them in their relationship. So yeah. Like how do I tell if I just don't like this person exactly. or, if, or, or if there's really warning signs here. Yeah. Yeah. Or if there's actually something going on here. So, okay. For example, you are walking on eggshells around your friend's partner or you see your friend walking on eggshells around their partner. Mm. So what does that look like? Things like having to avoid cer- certain topics or actions in order to avoid upsetting them. Or feeling compelled to run damage control or rush to placate feelings before blowups happen. So yeah, if you get in a situation, or you see your friend rather getting in a situation where they can anticipate that this specific topic that's being discussed or something happened that might cause like a flare-up of anger, for example, and Mm. then they rush to like really quickly like placate that situation before something more devastating happens. Yeah, like... Like, I'm trying to think of like a good metaphor for it, but it's like this, this sense of there's this very like volatile Mm -hmm. thing that they, they need to, you know, like if someone bumps the table, like this bomb could fall off of it, that's going to explode. And so they constantly have to be like, Ooh, no, we have, oh oh, gosh. Like uh, they're always kind of anxious about, you know, if anyone bumps the table or if they bump the table and like making sure that it's, that it's okay. 
So I feel like this is one that's fairly easy to see in a friend's behavior. But also, if you're finding that you're acting this way, too, around your friend's partner, that's mm. an even bigger red flag. Yeah, that's if it's If it's now, uh. like, it's everyone's responsibility, no matter who's around this person, to make sure that the bomb doesn't get set off, then there's something to look at there. Yeah. And then similar to these is um, having dread or hesitation to interact with their partner, whether it's yourself or that you notice your friend feeling this way about their partner, or just that you notice the partner's fragile mood or that their mood can change very quickly, specifically mm. to anger or aggression um, is, is kind of the, the biggest warning signs, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think about like what it, because it, presumably and, and I don't know. I it, presumably like perhaps something got the two of them together to like get to this point or it, it, you know that maybe they didn't start out in their relationship just like automatically being volatile. Oh, of if course there not. was yeah. yeah, if there was like kind of a triggering moment or something that like the partner like is holding on to and can't seem to get over that's causing this sort of contempt within them. I even feel like it doesn't have to be a specific trigger. It doesn't have trigger. to be, yeah. No, but I mean, but it, but it does definitely happen over time. Because if you sure. think about it, if someone was like this to you right away, I don't think most people would stay in that that's relationship. That's true, yeah. But it's like once you're kind of in it for a while. It's like, oh, well, I know it, who they really are. So right, Or just like, well, I'm committed now, or now I live with them, or yeah. now I... I don't want to be a quitter or, mm-hmm. or we talk about on this mm-hmm. show, this idea that like a successful good person is able to maintain a long relationship. Yeah. And so it's like, well, if I break up, I'm a failure somehow. Like we kind of have that emotional attachment to it. Right. So another warning sign to look out for is your friend reporting that their partner is often mad at them um, or your friend constantly taking the blame for making their partner upset all the time. If even your friend um, isn't able to recognize like that, you know, there's some responsibility for this is falling on their partner. If they are constantly blaming themselves for this, that could be a sign. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, if your friend is turning to you for a reality check occasionally, you know, asking you things like, Hey, I noticed this and this happened. Like, am I crazy? Is this normal? Like, did I overreact? You know, that could be a sign that they're experiencing some gaslighting in their relationship. If if their reactions to things that their partner is doing is being downplayed or denied or or their experience is being denied, um, that can be a sign as well. If they're constantly turning to you to try to get a reality check or a second opinion on the situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. Yeah, I think that that happens a lot for sure. With taking the blame all the time, it's interesting because it kind of made me think, well, what if you notice that you have a friend who seems to never take any blame and always mm. blame their partner when they're telling you about stuff going on? I know That's I, interesting. I have some friends where I've seen this where they'll be telling me stuff and putting all the blame on their partner and I'm even hearing it going... Is I mean, it kind of feels like you might have also been involved in this. It's almost like a warning sign that that maybe this could be the other way around, that maybe this is a toxic relationship, but, you know, where your friend might even be the one who's... Yeah. Not to say that they're a bad person or that they're trying to hurt or control this other person, but just that they've fallen into some toxic habits yeah. that, again, isn't really good for either of them necessarily. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, this next one reminds me of the show Big Little Lies because Alexander Sarsgaard's character always used to do this whenever like he would have oh. an abusive moment with um, Nicole Kidman is that afterwards he would like buy her like a freaking diamond necklace or something or like do something super extravagant. And so, mm. yes, it's your friend's partner gives extravagant gifts, vacations or um, is on extremely good behavior following a period of strife. So this is interesting. Oh, this man. could be the honeymoon phase in a bigger ongoing cycle of abuse. What do you mean by that, Dedeker? Well, the cycle of abuse is a concept that came up uh, that was introduced in the year. Um, it's a, okay. Sorry, I couldn't Google it fast enough. Um, now, the cycle of abuse is a concept that's been around for a while. And it's uh, this idea that it starts out with like, there's the trigger to the abuse. The abusive incident happens. 
Um, there's a honeymoon phase afterwards when the abuser feels guilty yeah, and exactly. or promises to change or the two people come together and they're like, okay, we're going to work on this. We're going to fix this. It's going to be better this time. And then things feel really, really good. And then tensions start to build again. And then eventually there's another trigger. The abuse happens again. And then we're back to the honeymoon phase. And then it's all this continuing cycle where the abuse never actually stops and it doesn't have to be, I mean, sometimes when you say abuse, people think it's the most extreme, like really intense, violent physical abuse. And it doesn't have to be that. It could be emotional abuse or it could be coercion or it could be something like that. But basically this idea being that people get caught in the cycle of abuse, usually because of that honeymoon phase, because there's always this promise that it's going to change, it's going to get better or it's getting better, you know, or or it really reaffirms like, oh, this person really does love and care for me because they're being nice to me during this phase. Um, but then it always ends up falling apart. And the cyclical nature of it is what people can get caught in. Absolutely. Right. That's yeah. why. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, 1979. Is when it was oh, thank created. you. That was the year that I thought. <laughs> that's what Obviously, I mean. I knew that's what you were it. saying. Yeah, yeah. she knew yeah. it. Yeah. Bread. She just didn't want to, you know. She wanted me to have yeah, a chance just, to look something absolutely. up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wanted to give you something for this episode. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> all, right. Um, all right. Next warning sign is if your friend sometimes vanishes. Uh, unless your friend is David Copperfield, of course, then, uh-huh. you know. Um, but you know what this really means is like, they kind of ghost on you. They become unresponsive to messages or totally unwilling, or, you know, they say they're unable to meet up in person and it kind of similar to the cycle of abuse that Dedeker was talking about, that it'll kind of happen and then they'll be back and then it'll happen again where they'll disappear and then they'll be back. Um, and now this, just to clarify, this is, you know, this is something that you must notice as kind of a more extreme version of, I mean, I think we've all had the experience of like essentially a friend vanishing once they get into a new relationship because right. they're just like right. so caught up in energy and like so in love with their partner or whatever. Um, and you kind of have to use some discernment to see, is it that, is it that they're just really caught up in this new relationship or is it that maybe they're being isolated or feeling like they're constantly having to take care of their partner or take care of their partner's needs or like do damage control. And so they're not really able to have a social life outside of their partner. Yeah. Mm. Uh, another one is hearing self-deprecating comments from your friend on a regular basis um, or them repeating belittling comments that their partner made to them. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And this one is, it's, it kind of makes me ask the question of like, how do you tell the difference between just like, having a self-deprecating friend and Hmm. this warning sign, or maybe it's just this kind of in combination with other things or I don't know. makes me, I I feel it's like in combination with other things. Like, yeah, of course you can have a self-deprecating friend. Um, what I was envisioning is times when I've had friends in bad relationships where they literally repeat to me, they're like, Oh, well, he said this to me or she said this to me. Mm. Um, and sometimes that can be in combination with, Hey, my partner said this to me. Do you think that's true? Or yeah. like, mm. do you think that there's any merit to that? Or, Oh, my partner said this to me. And I guess that's something I need to think about. Um, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, actually, now that you say that, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just, it reminds me of a situation I've seen where it's like that they'll say something like, Oh, well, I'm this kind of person. And you'll kind of be like, what? And they're like, oh, well, my partner said that to me the other day and mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. Go on. I was just like, oh my no, gosh. Yes. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that situation. Exactly. Um, another warning sign is your friend constantly making excuses for their partner. So, you know, it could be things like, oh, she's not always like this or, oh, he's just having a rough time right now adjusting to our new schedule or, oh, they were just drunk or any mm. number of excuses for, you know, I think usually the pattern that I see is that your friend expresses, hey, this is something that's going on in my relationship. And then if you respond with either some criticism of that or some analysis of that or kind of like, hey, that doesn't seem like that's right? That doesn't seem like that's something that you should put up with. But then the response usually is making excuses for the partner of, mm. oh, no, no, it was just this, or it was just that, or it was just whatever. And again, this can also be uh, another indicator of the cycle of abuse, where it could be like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, you know, because last week we had a talk and we all worked it out and it feels really good. And we're going to go to counseling now or, or whatever. I feel um, like I see that one maybe yeah. even more often than what, these. Specifically going to counseling and no, then doing that cycle no, or no just the like they that you know they talk about something that happened and you might be like that seems kind of serious or that doesn't seem 
healthy or something. And that the response is like, Oh, but like, but it's, but we worked it out and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's that kind I've of, been, I've been that person yeah. sure. in the past. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Of kind of having to walk back the seriousness of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like downplaying the seriousness and then sort of emphasizing that like, Oh, but it's, but it's resolved and it's better yeah, or, or it's getting better or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think if you're the person who's in the middle of this also, it's difficult to justify to yourself, like, why am I staying in this? If I'm not, you know, justifying mm. it also to my friends and saying like, well, yes, right. this yeah. incident happened or these multiple incidents are happening, but we're working on it. It's getting better, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And okay, again, as we're talking about these things like cycles of abuse and stuff, it is easy to kind of jump to that extreme example or say like, okay, it's it's a physical abuse or it's a mental abuse. But what are we thinking like if a friend is actually in a relationship that's just that one would label maybe as toxic or even incompatible, but not necessarily abusive? Like, is there a difference there? So, okay, there's. There's definitely a lot of overlap between toxic behaviors and abusive behaviors. Um, and also just the behaviors that might be present if two people are really just incompatible. But there are subtle differences. So let's talk about some of those. Uh, so, for example, a just a bad relationship or a toxic relationship might be one where one or both partners are often reactive and angry with each other, or they may neglect each other or ignore each other's needs or where there's a strong sort of like me versus you Mm, dynamic, right? That that's something that I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm generalizing too much, but I feel like we can all relate to having a relationship like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I have, if I think back to, you know, relationships from my past, especially when I was younger, where you just kind of, you're you, at each other. Yeah. You don't really know any yeah. better necessarily, yeah. or you just happen to end up with someone who you, you're very attracted to, but have this kind of incompatibility or just don't work well as a team and tend to be well, sort so- of. So that leads to the next one, which is clarifying an incompatible relationship, which that could be one where both partners, maybe they have just wildly different expectations for what the relationship is going to be. Maybe they have extreme disagreements about whether or not they're going to live together, whether or not we're going to have kids, whether or not we're going to be monogamous, things like that. Um, And again, it could be your incompatible in your communication styles, which could then lead to more of those like bad slash toxic relationship behaviors that Jace was just describing. Yeah, but it, those are all kind of different from an abusive relationship, which is one where a, one partner seeks to control the other using things like isolation, like shame, physical aggression, threats, emotional blackmail, stuff like that. Um, and that gets into the more like very abusive tendencies that some people seem to have within their relationships. Um, and so again, like your friend they their relationship may exhibit all three of these dynamics or just one or two of them. And if the relationship doesn't necessarily show signs of being abusive, that doesn't really mean that it's a healthy relationship. It doesn't mean that it shouldn't be cause for concern. But there are kind of various tiers, I guess, of where this goes. Because, yeah, I mean, I've definitely been incompatible with people like some people who want kids and you know, I don't or whatever. And in things like that, yeah, that just obviously long term, that's probably not going to work out if we're not moving in the same direction, I guess. Yeah, I've definitely found in the past talking with friends, you know, about a relationship that seems unhealthy or something like that, that people can often jump to this like, well, but it's not abusive because of XYZ or like, right. Kind of making this distinction That's interesting. as if the only good enough reason to end a relationship mm. would be if it was abusive. Mm. And that's, I've heard you use that before. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's that thing of like, well, it still doesn't mean that it's a good relationship. So yeah. it's like, it's, right. it's an important distinction to make. Cause I think it can change how you support them as a friend and maybe kind of maybe like the level of outside help you might even need to to recruit or help get for them in that situation or like how much danger there could be in the situation, Mm -hmm. right? It can change how you deal with it, but that isn't to say that any of these are good and should be allowed to continue. And it's like, Oh, then it's fine. If it's not, if it's not this specifically, then it's fine. You know, it's not, not like that. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, these all connect to each other in kind of Venn diagram-esque kind of ways. But yeah, your friend could be in a broad relationship that's bad because it's incompatible. Yeah. Maybe they're not very toxic with each other. Maybe there's no abuse going on, but they're, they just yeah. are they're, but totally they might be mismatched better off as, as far friends. as yeah, yeah. what they actually want, you know, and that, that doesn't mean that it's like, okay, great, whatever, they'll figure it out. Um, you know, you can still be concerned in that situation. Yeah. yeah, it's like that thing of we have to convince ourselves, or I think some people feel like they have to convince themselves that their partner's a bad person in order mm. to break up with them. Mm. And it's like, but no, like, but he's a good guy, or like, but she's a good person. And it's like, that's fine. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean <laughs> the relationship's good. Yeah. You could both be good people. I could love you both and see that like, I, I have some friends right now where I'm like, mm. I love both of you. I think you're both awesome. I'm not so convinced that your relationship with each other is healthy. Yeah. I haven't yeah. said that to them specifically because we'll get to this later, but um, saying something like that will just often make people more it's defensive. Challenging. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, right. But uh, I think we've witnessed that from the outside and it's sometimes hard to see for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. So in these situations where you've observed, it seems like my friend's in a bad relationship that's maybe toxic or abusive or incompatible or whatever. I've seen some of these warning signs. Should I speak up about what's going on? Should I confront my friend about this? I don't know. Should you? Well, okay. (laughs) There's a wide variety of schools of thought on this. And I've thought a lot about this over the years. Mm -hmm. And especially now that I'm often working with clients who whose relationships run the whole gamut from very high functioning, healthy to toxic and abusive. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like I've had to learn to navigate when is the situation to call out which behaviors or whatever. Um, my personal opinion is I think it's better to say something rather than nothing. Mm-hmm. I think if you see that your friend's in a bad relationship, chances are, most of the people in your friend's life are going to take the route of just butting out of it and not saying anything. Not because those people are bad people or unsupportive, but because that's just easier, right? It's easier just be like, whatever, none of my business. Yeah. Like, Mm. let them figure it out. I don't want to get involved in the drama, you know, which is a totally understandable stance to take. Um, But because of that, you may be the only person in your friend's life who is actually willing to have this conversation with them or open up this conversation with them at all. Um, That being said, I do think that it is very important to approach that conversation in a mindful and a very skillful way, you know, because I hold the opinion that I think you should say something doesn't mean that I think you should just go out and just like confront your friend and, and really let them have it and just word vomit all over them about all the, the crappy things you don't like about their relationship. What, what do the two of you think? What's your opinion on whether or not you should speak up about what's going on. Uh, yeah, I like that approach. It's challenging because I think so often that, you know, we as humans have to decide for ourselves before we actually like make a concrete solid change. Like change is not just going to come because somebody tells you that you should do it. Like, or even to be like, Hey, I I don't think that your relationship looks very healthy from where I'm sitting. You have to understand that if you say that, like you're definitely probably most likely your friend is not going to do anything about it until they themselves realize that is the case. Yeah. I think it's particularly challenging if they are in a relationship where they're being told a lot of what they should and shouldn't do by their Mm -hmm. partner Mm -hmm. that it's like, well, Am I going to just be another person in their life telling them the same thing, just saying a different side of it? Yeah. You know, um, that's a tough, it's, it's like the situation you don't want to get caught into is the one where it becomes like a you versus their partner fighting over the friend, like fighting over the person in the middle. You know, you don't want to kind of end up where it's like, now I'm just another side doing the same thing. Yeah. I I don't even know if I should talk about this, but I'm just interested in like I, the people that I know in my life. And I know that I've also been this way that any like female identified people will sometimes like make the decision to placate to their partner's needs um, 
more quickly, I guess. At least those are the types of relationships that I've seen uh, rather in like kind of stick with it and stay in it rather than um, it being like standing up for themselves and saying like, no, this isn't okay. I don't know. I've definitely been in those scenarios for sure. And I think, you know, again, just because I, I, we have been told, like, you need to just deal with it and, and mm. pick your mountains to die on and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, I could totally see that. I think that once I started working with clients, mm-hmm. I started seeing it. I started seeing that this dynamic happen more regardless of people's gender. Yeah. Like I've definitely seen a lot of now I have seen a lot of men in heterosexual relationships where they do feel like I need to just like let my partner do whatever she wants to do. And I just need to like nod and say yes, because that's the only way I'll have any peace. And yeah, that's, an that's the only way too. I'll be able to get any of maybe what I want in the relationship. And yeah. so yeah. I, I, think that I have witnessed more of that going in all directions. Um, however, I don't think that you're wrong. I think that you're right that women and those of us socialized to be women have been told from very early on that it's easier to not rock the boat, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, your self-esteem is wrapped up in like how good of a partner you are to a man, <laughs> And so that's the most important thing to be pursuing at all times. Um, But I, but yeah, but I don't think it's just isolated to women experiencing that. Yeah. I just, I guess I was thinking about it in my head of like, who do I know in my life Mm -hmm. besides myself who's been in situations like this? And let's think about that. And, and mostly what I come up with are my friends who are socialized to be women or identify as women. To be fair though. Yes. um, I do wonder if that's the byproduct of women being more comfortable confiding about their relationships to other mm. women. I hmm. feel like that's an interesting, my perception is that men do that less often, but maybe Jace, you could say that that's BS. Maybe that is BS. I don't know. I could only speak from my individual <laughs> experience. Uh-huh. Um, and I know that for me, something that I found in my life is that my male friends do tend to share with me, more emotionally than maybe they do with other men, or at least <laughs> I'm not than I would expect them to just, I guess maybe cause I, cause they know that I'm a, a safe person or I'm not going to like shame them for it or something. Mm. I, I don't know, but I noticed this like early on in my life. So I don't know if I'm a representative sample or maybe that's more normal than I think it is. I'm not sure. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy, or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI 
to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Um, to go back to your question about speaking up, though, and like kind of do you feel like it's your place to do that? I find that for me, gender does come into it. Huh. That if mm. the if the friend I'm talking to is a man, I feel like I will be more likely to question things and maybe be like, hey, so like even almost especially if I start to get the impression that they might be the one on the little more toxic side interesting, of kind of pointing out to them, it's like, Hey, you're kind of doing these things because maybe you're not compatible with this person, or maybe, you know, this isn't a good relationship for you to be in. So Mm. rather than try to control this person, maybe like, Hey, maybe this isn't the relationship for you. I find I'm more likely to do that with my male friends and because, and I think for me, because I'm very aware that when I'm talking to any of my non-male friends, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to just, especially if they're dating a man, I don't want to be another man coming along and telling them what to do. Mm. And that's, mm. that dynamic is something worth thinking about. Um, I mean, it's mm. not to say that like women cannot be abusive because they absolutely can. Oh, for sure. And yeah, yeah there are, it, that is probably talked about way less than it is on the flip side of men being abused by their women partners. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that's something to think about, but yeah, I understand where you're coming from. That is interesting to highlight that dynamic though, that I think this is a situation where it can be, e- it can be easy for people to perceive that maybe you have an agenda. Mm. Yeah. You that know, too. at that least too. like go there. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, well, yes. This is that why your, this person your is agenda is not, I want to help my friend. Maybe like people, people could probably perceive that your agenda is, well, I want to date my friend. Yeah, so right. I need to get them away, away. from this partner first. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess that is another consideration of that may change. You know, if you think about that, it may change the way that you, approach the situation yeah or if mm-hmm. or whether or not you choose to approach it at all i suppose yeah or whether i mean we'll get to this in a little bit here but whether it might be worth recruiting other friends to help with this because mm-hmm. like you said earlier Dedeker, like you might be the only friend who says anything to them maybe you're not the right person to do that but if you're friends with other friends maybe there is someone else so you could be like hey maybe you're the person to do this yeah just a thought right yeah yeah all right. Shall we go on to yeah, what yes. to actually do if you if you if are going to say, say something? something yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we're going to start with before you say anything. So this kind of like preparing, pre- preparing ye the way is <laughs> this one. I love that the Dedeker wrote this down as check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's good. Good which advice. Is, which is great. Um, okay. So basically this is check your assumptions. There's no way for you to actually know everything that's going on mm-hmm. in your friend's head, in your friend's heart, in their relationships. <laughs> like you can't know, you don't have perfect information and you can't. So just check if you might be projecting some assumptions onto what's going on, or are you maybe forcing your values onto someone else, right? The example of this would be a, a monogamous person has a friend who comes out as like, we've just opened up our relationship and they're putting their monogamous values on them and going, this is abuse or you're being taken advantage of or something, right? So yeah. it's kind of checking. Maybe there's some of that going on. Um, are you feeling insecure about your friendship with this person? Is there maybe some jealousy of your friendship being infringed upon by this relationship? Um, you know, anything like that. Like, is there something that might be sort of skewing your perception of the situation? Yeah, um, the next one is going to be to even like go and ask mutual friends if they've observed similar things, if they have like similar concerns. And also just be mindful that this is really for the purpose of like surveying and getting more takes on the situation rather than to gossip. Because I know, yeah, some might have the tendency to be like, oh, my God, do you know what Jimmy (laughs) said about Becky? Yeah, or something. I don't know. Things like that. <laughs> right. Um, and then, as I said before, really let go of your own expectations. Because, again, I it, nothing may change, even if you say something. 
your friend may actually react really negatively. They may Mm -hmm. react or they may do something like react positively, but not really take any action. Be like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I get it. Something should be changing here. And then nothing does. I think that's the one I find in my life happens most often is that last one. Well, again, yeah, it's, it's understandable. It's difficult to make a big change, especially if you are living with someone or feel like, you know, you can't get out of a situation that you're in. Mm -hmm. That is understandable that maybe nothing is actually going to change at that point. Yeah. It all seems so easy from the outside. Of course. It's just like, well, Well, come on, do it. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 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 I think the thing to be mindful there is just that like, if you know that if you go to your friend and say something and your friend doesn't do anything, if you know that that's going to cause you a lot of like frustration and suffering mm. and, you know, cause I've, I've gone through it where, you know, I've tried to confront a friend on something like this and they don't do anything. And then I start to feel resentful toward my friend Yeah, of yeah. like, well, why are they listening to me or why can't they take my advice or why can't they just do something that, you know, see if you can recognize what your expectations are going into it and see if you can let go of those mm. and just focus on kind of being with your friend in the moment and helping your friend in the moment and not being too attached to necessarily when or what action they mm. may take. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is acknowledge that your friend has a right to make their own mistakes. So this is related to letting go of expectations, but it's also, you know, let go of being attached to the specific outcome of the conversation and know that there really is only so much that you can do in this situation. And your friend, like Emily said earlier, may have to make their own mistakes before they're able to actually change anything. Um, Some people need to hit rock bottom before they're able to turn it around and be like, oof, that was a painful lesson. I'm not going to do that again, you know, and then things are better. But again, as Emily said, it's like, that's not something that you can force. That's not a knowledge or a wisdom that you can force onto your friend. You can try to highlight what's going on, but you can't make them recognize that their relationship is bad until they've recognized it for themselves. Yeah. I think kind of the irony of this too is that if you do go down this route of like really insisting and then eventually they do hit rock bottom and and do it in their own time, if you all this time had been saying you need to do this, you need to do this and getting mad at them for not, I think that can actually compound their suffering and their feeling of guilt afterward at feeling like they stayed in it longer than they should have. Well, which I think is mm. people are very prone to in, in any kind of bad relationship, but especially abusive ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, as we've seen in, in certain instances, like having, uh, friends or other partners who give you the, um, sort of experience that you feel you deserve, that you really do deserve, and it's a positive one. And if they're just building you up and giving you like kindness and love, mm. then maybe someone, instead of being told like, well, you're wrong to stay in this relationship, if you show them how right your relationship with them is, if it's a good one, then that can also like have the effect of teaching a person like, hey, mm. maybe maybe this is what I really deserve. Not this other shit that I'm in. Yeah. That's a a great example. Yeah. 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 Sometimes just like kind of like being the relationship that you wish that your friend had. And I mean that not, not to like a super intense degree. It's not like if you're not in a romantic relationship with your friend, you don't need to like suddenly generate one, um, to try to provide that. (laughs) No, but just, yeah. Demonstrating and providing the qualities, you know, Mm -hmm. like compassion or good communication or acceptance or love or kindness or, or things like, or listening, you know, all those things that you can provide an opportunity to provide those things that you may, that you think that your friend maybe isn't getting in their relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on to the section on what to do now that you've prepared, you've thought about these things. Now you're actually going to talk to your friend. Yeah. How do you do this in a way that's effective? So the first thing we have here is it's best to do this one-on-one. This, I feel like should go without saying, but it's very important. And that's to not do this in a place where they feel like you're embarrassing them in front of someone on them with a bunch of other people. Right. Right. Something like that, where it's speak to them if possible, one-on-one in an environment where you both feel relatively comfortable and safe. 
Um, so that's one. And then second is it's helpful to put, put the ball in your friend's court is to ask them how they're feeling about their relationship or ask them if they have concerns about it. Kind of basically like come at it from a place of hopefully they will, you know, in getting to talk about it, they'll kind of understand it themselves and they'll be able to see it more clearly rather than you telling them what it is. And, you know, maybe they're going to be resistant to that or they're going to feel like, well, what do you know? Or maybe you get one tiny detail wrong. That's not how they feel about it. Then Mm. they're like, oh no. And it kind of invalidates everything you've said versus saying you could even start with, I'm a little concerned. How, how are you doing? Like, how is this feeling for you? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you have past experience um, of being in a toxic or incompatible or abusive relationship, it really can help to share with your friend about how it affected you. Mm. I also do whatever it takes, as we said before, to be really gentle, really kind and calm and understanding. It's definitely easy in these instances to prompt a defensive response, of course, because your friend especially if they're choosing to stay in the relationship and they are defensive about it. Yeah, it, you might get more of the same in terms of that. Uh, and also a critique of a person's actions of their relationship might also feel like abuse to them rather than help. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I, it, this is interesting because in an episode that is coming up, we'll be talking about criticism and maybe how to critique someone in a better way. But yeah, definitely that is something there is a fine line between like healthy uh, constructive criticism and destructive criticism. So Mm. yeah, for more on that visit next week's episode, but (laughs) yeah, in this way, like that's something to think about here for sure. Yeah. It's something that I've definitely observed and also lived through personally Mm. that like, if you're in a bad relationship where you're already getting a bunch of shit from your partner and then someone well-meaning steps up to be like, Hey, I don't think you should be allowing that. Or, Hey, I don't think that you should still be with this person that instead of it feeling like help, it can just feel like, Oh, you're giving me shit too for my choices and my actions, you know? And it doesn't feel like a good, like safe, sustaining kind of conversation. It just feels like, okay, well now I'm dealing with shit from my best friend as well as my partner, you know? Yeah. Um, it can be very easy for people to feel just kind of caught in the middle in these situations. Um, If it becomes clear that your friend is in an abusive relationship um, and just to put it out there, like that could be physical abuse. It could be emotional abuse. It could be financial abuse. It could be verbal abuse. There's a lot of different kinds of abuse, but if it seems clear that your friend definitely is in an abusive situation, For sure, make your concern clear, Mm -hmm. but also make yourself a safe and a confidential person that they can come to. Um, Again, like we were just saying, if it's clear that your partner or that your friend is being abused, immediately putting on all this pressure of like, okay, well, we got to get you out of here and you got to leave him right away. You got to pack up a bag tonight, you know, even though technically that's probably good advice in this situation. Um, Maybe actually that kind of depends on the situation, but even though that seems like it's good advice, it's more likely to have a negative effect. Mm -hmm. It's more likely to not be responded to very well. The best thing that you can do is to make sure that your friend knows that you are safe and you are going to keep confidentiality and they can come to you to talk about it. Yeah. Like whenever. Yeah. Can we elaborate just a little bit on what being safe here means? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it, what bring, what it brings to mind for me, and I'm curious what, what you think, but it brings to mind for me, the idea that <clears throat> being a safe person to talk about an abusive situation means it means that you as that safe person might hear something very upsetting that is happening to your partner, but that you're not going to be reactive to that. Yeah. It's more without judgment and that you're not going to go rush and do something Mm. without their permission, you know, like that you're, and I think that at least is my impression of some, like why people don't share is because it's like, well, if I do in their mind, it might be like this person's going to overreact and Mm. try to take Mm -hmm. action themselves rather than listening to me who knows the situation more intimately. I I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about what it means to be a safe person 
in this situation? Yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, when I think about like my own experience of being in an abusive relationship, you know, and I was really hesitant to tell people about it because I was afraid of that. Like I was afraid of people. I know you say overreacting, but probably reacting appropriately, really. I mean, <laughs> um, to the perception of the person yes, in the situation, yes, overreacting. Sure. Um, yeah. But yes, I was afraid of people having a big reaction, wanting to take matters into their own hands. Um, I was afraid of people blaming me, essentially. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, I was afraid of receiving criticism of, like, why would you let this happen? Or how could you stay in this relationship so long? Or why didn't you tell me sooner? And those were all, like those assumptions that I held of how people were going to react was all stuff that held me back from talking about it. Um, And so I think part of safe is being that is like not being reactive and not dropping everything to try to like bail your friend out of this abusive situation. Um, Unless they want you to do that. Unless that's what what they specifically want you. And so just something to bear in mind is that in a lot of abusive situations, just dropping everything to bail someone out puts them in more danger than they are when they're in the in the relationship or living with the person or whatever, because sometimes you don't know how their abuser is going to react or mm. what's necessarily going to happen. And so as much as I think all of us would love to be the hero who comes in and rescues our friend from an abusive situation, that can actually compromise them more. And sometimes the wiser decision is to let your friend stay in the relationship, but make sure that you are there and you are their lifeline, hopefully one of many lifelines that is able to kind of step up when it is time to take action and when it is safe for them to take action. Um, And uh, you can also forward specific abuse resources if your friend is receptive to that kind of thing. Because again, if your friend doesn't really think it's abuse and you're just like, here, check out this domestic violence website. They're probably going to feel weird about that or Mm. defensive about that. Um, So again, if your friend is receptive to getting resources on abuse, then send them. Um, My favorite is just called loveisrespect.org. And it's really not super heavy handed. and It's not about any particular type of abuse. um, But it kind of focuses more on like what positive, healthy relationships look like. Um, Uh, Yeah. So that's one of my favorite resources to send to people is love is respect dot org cool and um related to that avoid the drama triangle we talked about this in episode 187 the cartman drama triangle so it can be very tempting to fall into this quote-unquote rescuer role where you see your friend as the victim their partner is the persecutor and you're the one who's going to come in and save the day and this kind of dynamic can often keep people trapped in these roles and so as tempting as it is to be the one who's going to rescue your friend, try to avoid that dynamic. Um, For more info on that, again, go check out episode 187. We dive into those specific roles a little bit more specific, like a little bit more clearly, and also talk about ways to kind of shift that dynamic so that it's not quite so um, entrapping. Is that a word? Entrapping. I mean, sure. Isn't that a movie? It is Will you allow it? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'll allow entrapping (laughs) as as an adjective, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So overall, with all of these, just try to stick to very specific observed facts rather than generalizations when you're talking to your partner about things, or I'm sorry, to your friend about their partner, Right. Um, rather than like value judgments or conclusions, uh, you know, don't make value judgments on their specific behavior that like, well, you're, you know, maybe being lazy or something if you're choosing not to do this if you're choosing not to get out of this relationships relationship or you're just uh you know you don't want to have change in your life or something yeah it just try to stick to the facts and your specifics when you're speaking to your friend about these situations yeah it reminds me of um that that thing of like you're telling your friend about something that you're seeing in their relationship mm. And you'll make a generalization of like, well, you know, your partner's always saying these sorts of yeah, things to always, you. always and never statements are not good. Well, and, and and here it's not just because always and never statements are inaccurate, but also because if you say something like that, like, oh, your partner's always doing this, they'll go, ah, I can think of a specific example where they didn't do that. So now your whole argument's been invalidated. Right. The whole point you were trying to make, they're like, they don't understand. They don't get it. They're making assumptions. Yeah. And it makes them more defensive, too, Mm. because you're sort of telling them the conclusion rather than just pointing out, hey, so, 
you know, you told me that, that your partner responded this way to you. That's, I'm, I'm just a little concerned because yeah. that, that doesn't seem like a very healthy way to, you know, for them to have acted in that situation or something like that, where you're talking about, you know, being as specific as you can mm -hmm. rather than making yeah, these it, generalizations. It reminds me of the observation stage of NBC, of nonviolent communication, yeah. where you just right. limit it to what are the things you've observed, whether that's something specific, like I notice kind of calling to mind the list of warning signs that we talked about earlier, that it could be something like, I noticed that you've told me three times now about mm -hmm. an yeah. instance where your partner said this about you, like said this particular mean thing about you, or I've noticed that, you know, like a couple times now that you've had to bail on me last minute on plans because your partner's been upset or stuff like that. So, you yeah. know, just trying to stick as much as possible to what you've observed yeah. as objectively as you can. Yeah. yeah, I think actually those th that's that's a good example, especially in a situation where you don't even maybe they aren't telling you what's going on in the relationship, so you can't say but they oh, this seem like red flags. Thing. Yeah, yeah, you could point out, hey, I've noticed that you become completely unresponsive for periods of time when you're with this person, or right after I know that you've had a fight with them, you know, something like that. Of yeah. like, what's going on there? Even just this is what I've noticed about you. I don't know exactly what happened in your relationship, but that could allow them to see it mm -hmm. for one. And then also hopefully allow them to then share with you about it and yeah. kind of, you know, be that safe person for them to kind of explore that with and, and hopefully come to that realization themselves. Absolutely. So we've alluded to it a bit in this episode, but if you're in a non-monogamous relationship and your partner is in a bad or abusive relationship or you suspect that they are. Uh, we have some special considerations about that in our bonus episode. So am I risking making waves at home if I tell them what I think? Things like that. We're going to discuss all of that in the bonus episode. So be sure to check mm -hmm. that out if you are a patron of ours or become a patron to check it out more. Mm -hmm. And we would love to hear your thoughts on this entire episode. Like, have you ever been the person who's having to confront your friend on their bad relationship? Have you ever had to have a conversation like this? Have you ever been the friend where someone who was close to you came to you and confronted you or had a conversation with you about the relationship that you were in? Did that conversation go well? Did it go poorly? What were the things that caused it to go well or to go poorly? We want to hear all about your experiences. So the best place to share your thoughts and experiences with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or in the discussion channel on our Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and you can join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-05. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.